I feel like we're losing that portion of the industry. Those guys don't exist anymore. It's the I hunt whitetails in Iowa with a bow. For this arbitrary line to be drawn in the sand of, well, it's the cell camera technology that's too far. Not not the advanced silicas going into high-end spotting scopes that let me see 20% further than I've ever been able to see. We as citizens and voters in this country on a wide range of issues are increasingly being asked to choose between the extremes. When the solution is a collaborative, nuanced approach. This is Trent Marsh from Spy Point. You're listening to The Wild Initiative. Put down your latte and pull on your boots. I've been blessed to harvest 22 of the 29 North American animals with my bow. My personal 24-hour record for death threats is 88. They will start putting two and two together and realize this is how you call bulls in. So when I go hunting now, that's the ethos I take with me. You know, whatever, whatever this hunt is going to throw at you, you pull your big girl pants up and you get on with it. Giant bucks are freaking awesome. They're beautiful. But you know what? I would not trade this first puck for anything in the world. So I'm really, I'm a geek. Magicians and dragons and magic swords. <laughs> I shit you not, man. I'm the biggest dork in the gun business. I'm Freddie Hartice, Hollywood Hunter. This is Aaron Snyder. Hey, this is Trevin Stoltzfus with Outback Outdoors. This is Rihanna Carey. Hi, this is John Sloan of the Interviews with the Haunting Masters. You're listening to The Wild Initiative. Hey, y'all, welcome to another episode of The Wild Initiative, brought to you as part of the Waypoint Podcast Network. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. All right, y'all, so hopping right into today's episode. As you can tell by some of the background noise, I am still here at SHOT Show, uh, hanging out in the Spy Point booth with Trent Marsh. Trent is, uh, I met you through POMA, and Mm -hmm. we've done a little bit of business together since then mm-hmm. and uh man it's been a few years now i think yeah, it was you know we've kind of memory hold years in there with the craziness of the last few but i think it was 2019 in wichita I yeah think. Was so it? we're that going seems on like, like so, so long, long ago, ago dude. <laughs> that's that's a decade in covid years oh geez yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, whole lifetimes. It's a lot has happened since then, which just makes it seem even longer. longer. But um, so you know, I always like to kick things off with just a little introduction of mm-hmm. who you are, and really, how did you get introduced to the outdoors and hunting and fishing yeah. and all of that? So a uh, little bit about me. Um, so obviously, I'm uh, editorial manager at Spy Point Trail Cameras, um, which is. Part of the marketing team, kind of a little bit of a marketing Swiss Army knife. I've been, I actually kind of had like one of those Mandela effect moments at ATA show a couple of weeks ago where, <laughs> like I was telling everybody, I've been in the industry for almost a decade. And as I'm standing there ordering a convention center burrito, I'm like, okay, I'm bad at math. I'm actually almost 15 years. Like I, Jeez. I it just... Like I said, we've memory hold so much time that yeah, it's it's been almost 15 years that I've been in and around the industry now. So, um, 
been on it from a marketing manager side, uh, you know, a couple different companies, uh, do some freelance stuff myself and some marketing consulting and some writing and, um, just, just kind of bounced all the way around it. Uh, you know, I, I've been really kind of been around the outdoors my entire life and growing up, uh, had some folks in my family that hunted different things. You know, my, my grandfather back in the day, he, he did some deer hunting and some big game. He used to go out West and stuff. By the time I was old enough to be around, he was really just kind of rabbit hunting and, and fishing and ice fishing. So that was kind of grandpa and dad was a deer hunter and, you know, had some friends that did some other stuff. But, um, I was the one that kind of like, I just, uh, what, what do you like? I like all of it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not an ice fisher. I'm not a bass fisherman. I'm not a whitetail hunter. I'm a, I'm out. We've, we know each other a little in personal, kind yeah. of a Renaissance man in general. Like, so what do you like to do outdoors? Literally anything. I like to be outdoors. Yes. Regardless of what takes me there. I like to be outdoors. Am I cutting wood, putting up a tree stand, casting jigs? D- don't care doesn't matter if i can do it outside i'm i'm gonna do it so you know trapping has been the thing i've gotten into here recently i never knew anybody that trapped growing up and just kind of completely randomly okay all right this is my next gonna learn just enough about it to figure out how terrible i am at it and do it anyway (laughs) like that's that's the thing right that sounds that sounds like you're describing how i go about everything literally Uh. everything exactly That's actually something that I've been really wanting to get into. When I was back in California, I was I was looking into doing it, and then they like banned trapping. Right. Um, and you know, now that I'm in Montana, and I've kind of got my own land, and I know there's coyotes and critters and all kinds of stuff crossing my land on a regular basis. I'm like, shoot, this could be something pretty interesting and fun, well, and, and it, try something new. It's so the fur market's in the tank, right? Like you're not getting into trapping for for that and uh, my initial reason for it was um so i'm in indiana uh northeast indiana so we don't have a lot of game options we have turkey and we have whitetail and honestly the turkey has just been in the last you know two decades that it's really kind of come back but it's still kind of what i'd call swiss cheese population um and so like out at my folks's place like we've we've seen turkeys off and on for about a decade now but they never really seem to stick and now for two springs in a row i've had trail camera pictures of freshly hatched poults uh Hmm. with the hen clearly a day or two old and then they're just gone interesting so um a lot of raccoons um you know so that that was kind of we know how hard the raccoons and the possums and all that are yeah. are the nest raiders and you know getting hatched is just step one like they're still they're still ground nesting at there's that point there's a lot so, of life they got to live before they're exactly uh, so it was um kind of my response more than anything of because the other trail camera picture i had uh was 13 raccoons geez. on one walnut tree that i had a corn feeder hanging from in like march so uh yeah well, let's maybe try to do something and kill two raccoons with one stone was essentially how that worked. Dude, ever since I was a kid, I've always wanted to. And I think, uh, I think you know, everyone after they read, like, where the red fern grows, mm-hmm. like, wants to get some hound dogs and, like, go mm-hmm. run dogs for coons. And, like, I, yeah, I've never thought of this before. I've never thought about that until you brought that up. Like, I think that was probably, like, what kind of subconsciously started my interest in any of this ages ago kind of planted that seed because that's the first time i can remember like really thinking about hunting and like thinking it was kind of cool like Mm -hmm. it was like something interesting and um hmm. but yeah i you know i mean i don't wouldn't really be doing it for the uh for the furs anything like that i mean i do want to i do want to start learning to tan and i think that's a great way to do it it's like shoot some coyotes get some get some raccoons get some whatever and uh teach myself you're not you know you're not out too much if you if you screw up one of those hides and well and that's because i'm in for a penny in for a pound like okay can't can't just don't want to do it just to kill right like you want to you want to make use of it of course the fur market right now is is not great for about a dozen reasons um but for the people that want to kind of do the cradle to grave thing, like everything that you can get out of it, you know, kind of with the blade thing, you know, doing stuff with your hands and learn how to do stuff. And, um, you, know, you might only get, if you can sell your raccoon right now, you might get two bucks. Yeah. You know, even a, I'm Indiana. So Eastern coyote, 
if I can sell it, I might get five or 10 bucks, but make a, a nice, like a fur trapping hat or a pair of gloves or, mm-hmm. you know, something like that. Well, that's 70 bucks. That's a hundred bucks. That's, you got some different, even if you just want to tan them as a, a wall hanger and sell them on Facebook marketplace, like there's, you well, can, dude, you can put a little effort into it and yeah. kind of cut that middleman out of it and a, you're learning another skill, but then B, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to get rich off this, but at least something that offsets some yeah. of that expense. Well, that's like one of those things, like I've got rabbit furs that like my grandpa or great grandpa, I can't quite remember, he, he tanned like rabbits he raised. I think one was one he shot, one was one he actually raised. Um, but just some stuff he tanned and it's like, I, I, they're like sitting on a shelf with, I've got like a skull on top of them, but it's like a, just a cool piece mm-hmm. and it's something that I, you know, connect with. It's like my history from my grandfather right. and, um, but yeah, I mean like you, I, I've been talking a lot more about homesteading yep. recently with people, you know, we both are, uh, have new places with yeah. a little bit of land and, you know, with that comes interest in doing other things and, right. and, with that whole homesteading aspect, yeah, you want to start planting a little bit. You want to start drawing some more game to your, you know, your yep. land. You want to be able to take those things and, yeah, make gloves. It comes with this whole new renewed desire to be self-sufficient, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, whether it's so learning how to take a, take a rabbit skin or a, a coon skin and turn it into a pair of gloves, a hat or something. It's like, yep. yeah, you may not be wearing it into town to go grocery shopping, Actually, I probably would. Right, um, just, I just because. Absolutely would. I would stop shaving my beard again. I would shower maybe once a month, and I would go in just to be that guy. It's like the little kids walk by, and they're like, I saw him. We just we just recently wrapped up watching Vikings. Yes, and, uh, yeah. And I took a screenshot and sent it to a buddy, and I said the first two coyotes that uh, I get are being made into a, a shoulder, some shawl. sort of yeah, yeah. over the shoulder. He goes, "That's fine. I'm uh, I'm going to come to Starbucks and record you walking into Starbucks and ordering your." And if you don't turn around and yell skull at the rest of the the just just walk in just because just walk in with like a horn mug and slam it on the yep. counter and say a latte for my <laughs> a latte for my mug uh-huh. Uh-huh. exactly <laughs> a triple double upside down <laughs> caramel macchiato no <laughs> no milk <laughs> almond milk <laughs> steamed. Uh-huh. Double shot, please. <laughs> By the name of Thor. <laughs> Absolutely. In Odin's name, uh-huh. I demand more. Exactly. I demand the third shot. <laughs> but and, yeah, it's, and, yeah, and it's just it's something else yeah. to do. You know, it's it's fun to do that stuff. Well, I've been, you know, I've talked with a few people, and it's like hunting season. It's like yeah, I'm in Montana, and so I'm, I'm fortunate enough. We've got long hunting seasons, yep. and we've got opportunity pretty much 95% of the year. Yep. Depends on what you're into, but I think some people get into the get into the spot and it's just like anything I can do that allows me to kind of touch that idea of the outdoors and hunt more than just like I mean I, I'll go for a hike any day. I love going and just kayaking out and kayaking out wow, kayaking out in the lake. Yep. I love going hiking. I love just being out in nature. Yep. But the, there's that concept of being an active participant in it. And yeah. so anytime we get to a chance to touch that and connect with our roots, I think is anybody that really loves it is going to take that opportunity. Well, and for me, you know, it's, it's one of those things where there's the perception of working in the outdoor industry, which I've been doing for almost 15 years. And there's mm-hmm. the reality, of it, you know? <laughs> so, um, Everybody's oh man, that must be like mark. You're doing marketing for the out. Like all you do is like go around and hunt with your celebrity partners. And, exactly. Oh, yes. oh, I'm like, I've I've told a lot of guys like well, when they're like, are you hiring a guy? I said, well, why? Mm-hmm. Why do you, why do you want to come work here? Oh man, I just I love hunting. I live for it. I'm I'm here for it. Eat, sleep, breathe it. And I'm like, okay, what are you doing in November? Oh man, the rut's coming on. I'm getting ready. You know, ice fishing might be around the corner, getting the decoys around for goose season. But I'm like, great. 
I have a catalog to finalize. I have press releases to write. I have ad copies to send out. I'm scheduling meetings for ATA and shout. I'm finalizing trade show environmentals and writing web copy. I love to hunt. Mm-hmm. And I take every chance that I get to go. And, you know, that to-do list, when you're talking about trail cameras or binoculars or UTVs or camo or whatever the case may be, yeah, it's a cooler to-do list than another. Yeah. But there, all of all of that comes before actually being able to be out and be hunting. So for me, like, A, there's the... There's no real slow season, but the busiest of seasons is really October 1st. Indiana's bow season opens up, and that's when I'm thinking about media planning for the following year, trade show planning, setting appointments, getting all, all my ducks in a row, not all my ducks in the water hole, yeah. that, that I have to start being ready for next year. and then You don't get to disappear for two weeks, go, no. to, go to the, the hunting cabin no. and, and sit in a tree stand and drink gonna, beer. It's not going to work. So I, as opposed to, and, and honestly, it's kind of a concern that I have about the future of hunting in general is everybody's gotten so, so niche. You know, I, I'm, I'm an eclectic person just mm-hmm. by nature. I, I, don't, I don't, I get focused on one thing in a broad way. I'm focused on the outdoors. I'm not focused on bow hunting, bow-legged white tails, traditionally with a left-handed bow and tree stands that only faced east. Like we're we're getting in like these hyper niches of I I'm pretty sure I saw that booth in that, the next yeah, room the, over. Yeah. Yeah, the the, the left-handed east-facing left-handed traditional tree stand. bow hunter east-facing tree stand bow-legged white tail hunters association of America. It's, exactly. It's a, exactly. It's a, yeah. They're I'm going to make that website. I'm going to buy that I domain name and make that website. I guarantee you the domain is being investigated by more than one person. It just it has to be because <laughs> okay. that's what we keep seeing. You know, growing up, you know, we're roughly the same age-ish. Yeah. Growing up, like, Outdoor Life and Field and Stream were, like, pinnacle, the mastheads of the industry, and we've seen them go digital only. And there's other, to me, that's not a print is dying thing because you have other print titles that are, are expanding, but outdoor life and field and stream were about the outdoors. Mm-hmm. It was a trapping article, then an ice fishing article, then a tarpon article, and then a whitetail hunting article, and then a story about hunting mountain goat. And those guys, I feel like we're losing that portion of, of the, the industry. The Those guys don't exist anymore. It's the I hunt whitetails in Iowa with a bow. Mm-hmm. That's great, and I I am thrilled that we have those hunters. And I am a rabbit hunter using beagles and a four ten shotgun, and that's great. And God love them too. But we don't have enough guys that are doing all of that stuff, or even necessarily exposed yeah. to all of that stuff. And then we're seeing some of the ad... That's where the advocacy holes come in. So part of, part of me getting into trapping was me just investigating as we're starting to see some of the trapping bands and th- you talk mm-hmm. about like California. You know, well, okay, I, I've never been around this. I want to educate myself about it so that whether I'm for it or against it, I, I'm, I like to think of myself as an intellectually honest person I'm going to have to educate myself before I can have an opinion about it. And ideally I have some firsthand experience with it. Mm -hmm. And, and I feel like we're starting to see some of that slip away, not just in this industry. Sadly, I think it's something now let's globalize everything, right? Like I think we're seeing that with a little bit of just how we live our daily life is because, because of social media and the digital experience and how easy it is to find the echo chamber that you want to exist in. Plant your ass dead center in the middle of it and get rid of everything else that might fly counter to that. We're able to expand our horizons to things that we never expected, but we can also close ourselves off so easily. Mm -hmm. So for me, having more opportunities through the course of the year because of my work schedule and because of some of those demands, like if I just pegged myself to being an Indiana whitetail hunter, I'm going to be a very disappointed dude a lot of times because the demands that I have on me from work and family just aren't going to give me enough time to do that the way that I want. Yeah. And the way I diffuse that 
frustration, diffuse that stress, and diffuse that want to be an active participant in that space is we have hard water in Indiana this winter. I'm going to go home, and I'm going to go jig for bluegill this weekend. Mm -hmm. Three months from now, that's going to be gone, and I'm going to go pitching for bass. I'm going to do some trapping. I'm going to do some whitetail. You know, if somebody, hey, we're going duck hunting this weekend. You want in? Yeah, sure. Now I'm going to kill, try to kill my spring turkey. It's, it's, I would rather walk down the buffet and try a little bit of everything rather than go to an all-you-can-eat prime rib dinner and just be stuck on one. Yeah. I want the prime rib. I want the chicken tenders. I want the bread pudding. Well, I want especially the if you're pudding. only going to have a chance to eat half of that prime rib anyway. Exactly. So. Exactly. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Now, and it's, it's interesting, you know, you're talking about, like, we're so niche. And, it, and it's, like you said, it's getting worse and worse and tighter and tighter and more specific. And we're running out of those generalists. And I think that's, you know, I, I just talked recently with John Stallone about... The predator bands coming down the line in, in yeah. Arizona—that's huge. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know they're doing the same attacks in the in the Pacific Northwest and in California, especially after bears. And it's you know the Humane Society are coming after it, coming after it, coming after it. And most people aren't going to give a shit. Mm-hmm. Like the majority of people just aren't going to care because it's like whatever. I'm I'm a whitetail hunter in uh, in Florida. You know I, I do whitetail turkey and. You know, I do, I do some marlin I might, fishing. I might go on an elk hunt once every decade. or If, if that. Like, if I mean, that, yeah. you know, that's, that's like, you know, probably 5% of that yep. population that will do that, you know. And they're like, well, I'm never going to hunt mountain lion in Arizona. Why should I give a shit? I'm not going to take the time out of my day. And we talked about that, and that's the problem with getting so niche is because, you know, I won't harp on this. I've harped on this a million times on this podcast before, but the concept of like that frees up resources then for them to come after us. It sets precedent. Once something else is gone, they don't have to worry about that one anymore. And it sets those precedents across the United States. And so you know, it's like I get it if that's not your thing. If you don't want to do it, I, I get it if you just don't even agree with that after you've experienced it and after you understand what's going on in other places and other states and you know uh, like let's talk about brown bears and grizzly bears you want to you want to get people's butts puckered up like wolves yeah oh geez yeah like probably the two most controversial things like you can talk about hunting and i mean then there's people like i'm not one of those people smoke a pack a day kind of people like i you know i think wolves are are awesome animals and necessary to an ecosystem do I think they've they should not be protected and they've grown out of control and they're destroying other populations? Yes, I fully think that. Um, and but that hits on not to cut you off. Oh but yeah, that, no, no. That hits on <laughs> again. Let's global. It works in this conversation, but it's also the the problem is what makes discussing anything in in modern culture such an absolute quagmire, and why it's so difficult to get any of it done in a way that makes sense is because the answer for wolves and predator management in general is very nuanced. Mm-hmm. It is not. It is not an all or nothing. It's not shoot, shovel, shut up kill them all, get them all gone. And it's not, and I'm intentionally going to say the preservationist approach, not the conservationist approach, but the preservationist approach that says you can never kill them. But we as hunters and we as citizens and voters in this country on a wide range of issues are increasingly being asked to choose between the extremes. When the solution is a collaborative, nuanced approach Mm -hmm. that requires critical thinking and, to some extent, a little bit of give and take on both sides to reach a sustainable... Because regardless... Either answer is unsustainable. Yeah. 
zero wolves or 100 wolves, either end of that spectrum is unsustainable. Now, you have, you have the illusion of the middle. The answer is not always in the middle. Sometimes it's 20 wolves. Sometimes it's 80. It's not 50. You can't just run yeah. to the middle and say, yeah. here's the 50-50 answer, so this must be the best answer. But it's somewhere between zero and 100. Mm-hmm. But we're not allowed to choose that as an option because the only place you can make money is on the extremes. I, again, because of that lack of respect and understanding for some of this, we're, we're seeing that, that generalist and that ability to even understand and appreciate something that I don't necessarily do. You don't then have to be, it doesn't affect me, so I don't care. Why is it, it doesn't affect me, but if that's how you engage, if that's, mm-hmm. I'm an active participant in the outdoors, and if that's how you actively participate, I support you being in the field. Yeah. I, the number of times, we won't talk about the other instances that it's been used, but I've used it a lot with hunting and trapping here lately. The number of times I've used the old Franklin trope about we'll either hang together or surely we'll all hang separately is beyond depressing to me mm-hmm. because, damn it, it's not that complicated. This is not a hard conversation to sit down and get somebody on to understand why that matters. But dealing with a person is easy and dealing with people is really hard. Yeah. Because a person is thoughtful and intelligent and nuanced and problem solving. And people are emotional, erratic loons. Mm-hmm. As, a, as a broad group of people, you will not come to a safe consensus. You will come to crazy town. And that's what we're seeing. And you know everyone on one side on one side is sitting there thinking like, oh yeah, they sure are crazy loonies. Uh-huh. There's going to be a lot of the word they, and, it, and it, people won't be happy, but we're referring I'm to you too. I'm talking to you too. <laughs> I mean, I, like, I am the first one. I, I will point the you, thumb on this one. You know how it goes. God help you. If you go to any sort of fucking like Western hunting Facebook group, and you post like, oh man, I saw some wolves today on my hunt. They were just, they were badass. You know, it was great to see them. You post a picture or something. Didn't see any elk, did you? Like, didn't see any moose, <laughs> did you? Why didn't you fucking shoot them? You just smoke a pack a day, da 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 Wipe all those fuckers out, da da Like, and again, I, I think we need a lot less wolves. I think there was, a, there was a giant mistake reintroducing them in the way they were reintroduced and with no management plan. But... Wolves are cool fucking animals. Like, I would love to see a wolf. I'd also love to shoot one and have it hanging on my damn wall. But, um, you know, I, there's a place for everything. And, you know, it's that nuance, like you said, is getting, is getting lost. And it bums me out because I'm like, here's the deal. You want to fully eliminate any species. I don't care what it is. You know. Save the mosquito. Can we eliminate the mosquito? I'm okay with that. I'm okay. Bald faced hornets. Yeah. Like uh, I think we can find some. Here's the, here again. The answer is never no. 100 there or you zero. Go. Okay. okay. We can find nuance. <laughs> we can do away with <laughs> mosquitoes and bald faced wasps. Uh, I, I will. Gi- I will give you that. I haven't had to deal with mosquitoes too badly in a while in Montana. It hasn't hasn't been horrible. Yeah, shut up, ticks. Sam. Ticks. Let's get rid of the ticks. We can do away with ticks. I can totally do away with ticks. Uh, what is it? That Lone Star tick that g- mm-hmm. gives you the meat gives allergy. You the meat allergy. We, let's just uh, let's just burn them all in the fires of hell. Yes. Um, but you know that's it. Like, you know, you talk about these animals. If you want to legitimately want to see any animal wiped out completely, you're not an outdoorsman. Don't dare call yourself. You're just. Yeah, you may hunt. I don't even want to call you a hunter at that point. Like, yeah, you're just you're out for yourself. You want to do your thing. You don't give a shit about, about anything else. You're just as bad as the people that want to eliminate hunting completely. Because we all know the data supports us. Hunting is necessary for the health of these populations. Not only not only for like the Pittman Robertson stuff where we get all of this money, but for the balance of these populations. Because we know, okay, if we don't, say, kill enough bears or even enough, say, cows in a certain area and the carrying compa- is way over the carrying capacity... Fish and game's going to go in in a helicopter and and dump them in a... Well, and that, honestly, that's a best case. Yeah. The worst case is that Mother Nature takes care of it. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, it's... um, But it's like those people that that say, uh, you know, okay, we need to 
eliminate some of these species just so there's a bunch more deer. Just as bad as the people saying we can't ever touch these species. Mm -hmm. They both completely lack any sort of nuanced understanding of how the greater system of wildlife can be managed. This whole ecology is critical for the health. You know, you want you want bigger elk, healthier elk, bigger deer, healthier deer, bigger bears, healthier bears. They all need each other. They all need balance. You know, we need to see some calves get eaten. We need mm-hmm. to see some uh, some bears get taken. Mm-hmm. Again, it's nuance. And when I when I start seeing people and hearing people talk in infinitives and using words like always and never and all and none, mm-hmm. my my antenna go up real quick. And I start getting really judgy about what I'm hearing, and rarely do I hear good things follow. Because very few things on earth are always or nevers. Yeah. Yeah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So I do want to give you a quick second. You work for SpyPoint. We're going to completely change change gears here. I do want to, you know, you talked a little bit about what you do for SpyPoint, working in the industry, which is always funny. You know, like everybody thinks, you know, they're all going to be Remy Warren, Randy Newberg, Steve Rinella. And don't get me wrong, I would love to hunt for a living, but I'm just never going to be that guy. Um, but I uh, wanted to give you just a, a quick second, just, Tell, uh, tell us a little bit about what SpyPoint is for those who don't know and, you know, kind of what's offered. So uh, SpyPoint is the industry leader in cellular trail cameras. We obviously, you know, we do non, non-cellular cameras as well, but um, we've, we've always been really dedicated to making that cellular technology affordable to all hunters. You know, again, I'm, I'm northeast Indiana, so I always kind of had the... Why would I ever need us? I'm hunting 20 minutes from, live 20 minutes from where I hunt. Why do I need a cell cam? And then I had one for like three days. I'm like, why did I never have a cell cam? <laughs> um, but, you know, it's, it's always, I remember when they first came out, because I'm old, because my first trail camera was a film trail camera. Seriously. Which a lot of, like. Did, okay, it, did it have an actual tripwire? Well, no, that I missed that. Okay, but uh, you know, talk to because I mean, those weren't all that long oh, yeah. ago. Ralph and I've talked to Ralph and Vicky about that. They've seen that evolution. Mm-hmm. As long as Ralph and Vicky have been in this, they said literally, like our first wildlife monitoring thing was literally a string across a deer trail that pulled a timer that you could go in and see when one deer crossed that trail, mm-hmm. and now it shows up in an app on my phone. Um, but yeah, my very first trail camera. Uh, took 35 millimeter film that I then had to go to CVS <laughs> and Walgreens, drop it off to be developed. A week later. A week later. Yeah, it was. So to see where it's come, but, you know, again, seeing that evolution, the first cell cameras were a small fortune. And, and SpyPoint's approach has always been any hunter that wants to use this should be able to afford to use it. Um, so that's that's really what our focus has been has been driving that affordability and driving the innovation and and trying to make sure that for the hunters that want to use cellular trail cameras that that they the price of that isn't the deciding factor of why they can't. Mm-hmm. So I mean we're seeing right now I want to say I mean it was Arizona and was it Colorado or Utah? Utah. It was Utah, right? Yep. And we're seeing a lot of these these trail cam bans and restrictions come in and. Like, some of the restrictions I understand, like, especially and, with the and a cell lot cameras. Of the, and people are getting, like, the restric- a lot of those restrictions have been there a long time. The bans are getting a lot of attention because those are fresh and new. But a lot of those restrictions to catch yeah. off have, have been in place for a while. And there's, and also, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call it, there's a big difference between, like, you've got, you've got a piece of property that you're leasing and it has food plots and stuff like that. That's very different than you're hunting the mountains in public land for, you know, mule deer versus... Mm-hmm. It, it's two different worlds. Mm-hmm. Like, I get a lot of these restrictions where it's like, okay, 
you've got a cellular cellular trail cam, a series of cell cams up. You can't just be sitting there down at the bottom of the trailhead waiting for the herd to come by so you can just hike up and go grocery shopping. Um, that stuff makes absolute sense to me. Like I have zero so, issues with that. And just to be contrarian, though, like, still, what are your chances of making that happen? It, because there's still no barrel in the trail camera. How, how close can you be to that? How far can those animals move in that time? And, you know, it, how is that? Di- you know what? Shouldn't be able to use a spotting scope. You can use 10 power binoculars, but you can't use a 50 power spotting scope. This gives you an unfair advantage. Your eyes aren't that good. You can't see that far. If you're going to look that much further away to be able to put a stalk onto that mule deer, does it matter if it was a spotting scope that told you that he was a mile away on the other side of, of that valley or that it's a spotting scope? You still have to cross the terrain the exact same way. You still have to get into that location the exact same way. And all the things that can... Obviously, you know, it. it I, I want everybody to understand that I'm, I've taken metaphorically my spy point hat off and just as if we go back to what we were talking about earlier the kind of big tent approach to hunting that there there still isn't a barrel of a gun or a pointy stick in that trail camera that's going to kill that animal for you and yeah it lets you know where they're at even me in the east i'm a 15 minute drive and a little bit of a hike so even if i know that he's in front of that trail camera right now it's going to be an hour or two before i can make anything happen with that Mm -hmm. and i promise you there are 14,827 ways that i can screw up (laughs) getting from point a to point b um i just talked about it on another podcast um you know and and it's something that kind of i've talked about a little bit over time that there's a fundamental lack of understanding of how the technology works and what the technology allows you to do that has led to some of these bans um because you still have to close it there's there's a lot of there's a lot of ground between what the cameras can tell you and what allows you to kill a deer. We have just right at 200 photos of a free-range Indiana white-tailed deer that is going to gross between 195 and 205 inches as near as I can tell without putting my hands on it. 40% of them are daylight photos. Fall of, of 2020. Had that deer pegged. Over the course of three weeks, we got about 40% of those photos in that three weeks had watched him for months. That deer's alive. <laughs> there were three of us hunting him. If, if cell cameras were the advantage that sometimes I hear people yeah. try to make cell cameras out to be, daytime photos. Oh, well, you got a 190 on trail cameras during daylight? Why isn't he dead yet? He's hardwired to be alive. That's why. And there's still a lot of shit that can go wrong between point A and point B. And for this arbitrary line to be drawn in the sand of, well, it's the cell camera technology that's too far. Not, not the advanced silicas going into high-end spotting scopes that let me see 20% further than I've ever been able to see. Sure, I had to hike to the top of that mountain, but before I had that spotting scope, I would have hiked southeast instead of northwest because of what I saw with that spotting scope. That's not a bridge too far. How I knew that that elk is on that other mountain, whether it was a trail camera or a spotting scope, both are by advanced technology. Mm-hmm. People hunting 100 years ago see us taking 1,000-yard shots with brand-new powders, new bullets, new rifles. Like, A, they'd be like, friggin' cool. Where do I get one of those? And B, they'd be like, well, I kind of had it a lot harder than that. So mm-hmm. this arbitrary fair chase line of this technology is fine. We're not even going to talk about that. This technology, that's a bridge too far. Yeah. The fact there's a very small number of people, and this is kind of the other, the other thing that kind of gets into the ban um, and, and why I think we're seeing it happen where it happens. There's a lot of hunters in Utah, but you look at the license breakdown Michigan hunts in Utah, Pennsylvania hunts in Utah, Texas hunts in Utah, Minnesota, Illinois, Florida, Maine yeah. hunt in Utah. And that's where a lot of that revenue comes from. But Minnesota and Illinois and Michigan and Indiana and Florida and Texas, they got their own, those guys have their own life. They've got their own state that they live in that they worry about. So these regulations change, 
without a lot of the people that are stakeholders, either near or far, being able to really see it. And with yep. Utah, especially talking to some folks that are very close to it, who I won't, I won't mention by name, the speed at which it happened is very concerning for some stakeholders of Western hunting that the guy that lives in Texas that might be a huge Utah hunter, he doesn't have time to respond, react, reach out, express his displeasure because especially once you get into the, you know, that the Rocky Mountains West, a lot of those hunters aren't of those licenses for those states are occurring other places. And they've got their own battles to fight back in those states. So they can start picking off, all right, where, where's the low hanging fruit? What, regard, whether it's Defenders of Wildlife, HSUS, the, the myriad uh, enemies that we have to conservation and hunting, they can find these places where, what's the market, in, market inequity? You know, baseball yeah. fan or football, what's the market inequity? How can we exploit the system that's in place to outperform everything else? And they're going to start finding those places and they're going to weasel their way in and they're going to get death by a thousand cuts. Lose cell cameras here, lose a predator season here, ban trapping here, and and all of a sudden you're the frog in the boiling water and you're cooked before you knew what happened. Well, and I think, you know, this is one of the things I was talking about with John in in this most recent episode I, I released was so often this stuff happen, happens in a quiet way. And it's not even just the people that are out of state that don't get to hear about it, that are still stakeholders in that state, but it's even those people in state because so often it's, you know, we can't go in every time there's a comment period in every single state we hunt or every single state we want to hunt and say, hey, yes, I really like how these things work. Please keep this. Please keep this. Please don't change this. Please don't change this. It's, it's just unreasonable. And so often when HSUS or these other, other um, anti, anti kind of organizations they go in and they're just under the radar. They're just quietly getting their tens of thousands of people to send in these emails while the comment period's open, and they're very specific. Unless we happen to find out about that, you know, and, and you know, somebody, maybe somebody from Fish and Game leaks that they're getting all these emails or this or that, we don't even know to fight back. Well, let's tinfoil hat it even a little bit further. Tinfoil hat on. <laughs> Fully comfortable, right? When you see it, where do you typically see that there's something like that going on? Um, I see it a lot in the western states. No, I mean, like, where where do you find the information? Oh. Um, social media. I, I get it, yeah, social you media. see it on and, social media. Yeah. We, we all, we, we, if you hunt and you're engaged in social media, you see, you see how your content does that's not hunting, and you see how your content does that is hunting. You see the fact-checking thing show up on everything that's pro-hunting. Mm-hmm. The, it's the possum meme is my current example of, don't shoot me, I eat 5,000 ticks a year. It was one study. Like, like let's, again, let's, let's be the obnoxious Facebook fact-checker that's yeah. like, well, you put the comma in the wrong place, so we're going to flag this meme, right? But one study showed that a tick might actually eat that many over the course of the year. We're not going to talk about the fact that they will, on average, raid seven to ten turkey nests through the course of the year, mm-hmm. and that a turkey does go around and pick bugs off of the ground, and that a turkey might consume upwards of twenty to 30,000 ticks a year, and that in taking out those five to seven nests of up to 20 eggs per nest, they're taking close to 500,000 ticks that could, but he, he might eat 5,000. There's no, there's no fact checker flag on that. So do you think when HSUS needs to get out there that we need to end the horrific insert BS.1, do you think that's getting throttled or fact-checked the way that Illinois trappers, they're wanting to cut back on bobcat season or end the otter season and they go to share that? Do you think that trapping group is going to be able to get the same reach that Karen's Goat Screw Kentucky County of HSUS that their group gets? Goat Screw Kentucky. It's, it's just south of Paducah. I've never, I'm going to use that term so much now. <laughs> Sorry. But no, I, yeah, I mean, it's like, it's, there is a, a definite bias. And I mean, there's a part of me that's like, you know what, it's, it's their platform. You know, they can use it. hundred percent. But even, which, like you're saying, like, even when we need to play by the rules and do our part right, 
our rules are different than the rules of the people that we're fighting yeah. against. And you know what? First one to tell, I mean, I'm too old and I'm too tired to fight with you fairly. So if I find myself in a fair fight, I've done something wrong. Mm-hmm. I'm just not going to lose. I get it. If, we're in a, if neither one of us wants to be in a fair fight, if we could flip it the other way and we could make them the ones that are throttled and they're the ones that have to fight and scratch for every little bit of information that gets out there, we would absolutely take it that way. I have no interest in winning honorably. I just want to win. I've always told people the concept of a fair fight is the dumbest idea. Like, that's just this stupid concept. You don't concept. get style points. Unless it's, unless it's, a, unless it's like a boxing match. The concept of setting up a fair fight is just stupid. No. You want to set up the most one-sided fight humanly possible Put if you're actually in a, in a condi- fight. in a situation that you have to Charlie Foxtrot so bad to be able to lose. Make it idiot-proof. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the situation you want to be in every time. Absolutely. Okay, man. So if folks wanted to find you online, where can they hunt you down? Boy, me personally? Yeah. Wow. Search your uh, shit out. Yeah, so... So they can send you angry messages. They can, yeah, uh, so you, I, I have an Instagram. It's, uh, I'm actually going to double check because I'm, I'm terrible at the self-promotion. Uh, but <laughs> it's uh, tmarsh8364, uh, I believe. You can find me on, on Instagram at tmarsh8364. I also have... You know, I, I do some content on the side as well, so they can look for Tag Soup Adventures uh, on... Uh, so Tag Soup Adventures on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. But you can find me on Instagram at tmarsh8364. Uh, I'm on Twitter with that handle as well, and I might uh, might allow somebody to follow me and, and get more rants like that uh, <laughs> you know, for, for a small nominal fee. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, as long as you're not uh, making bets about text messages again. Never. Um, Never. <laughs> I'm out of that business. Out it's of that dangerous. business. Out of it's that too business. dangerous. All right. So one thing I always like to kind of close out with is say, you know, somebody comes up to you, you know, they find out you're a hunter or whatever. You know, they just maybe someone, you know, whatever it is. They're like, you know, man, I've always wanted to get into hunting. And like, it just sounds awesome. Like, you know, it's something I've been interested in, but like, there's so much to learn, so much to buy. Like, you just... It's it's a lot to get into. I don't I don't know if I it's something I can actually feasibly do. Mm-hmm. What kind of encouragement would you give that person? Obviously, if it's somebody that's local to me, I'm going to do everything that I can to shorten that learning curve for them. It's the local resources always the best one, but obviously finding local resources not always easy. Um, honestly, one of the best places that you can go is find those local conservation groups to you. Whether it's their social media, whether it's, you know, I'm getting ready to come back. I'm going to Whitetails Unlimited Banquet here in a couple weeks. You know, find those type of whatever it is that you're wanting to get into, whether it's social media or in person, find it, go, and you will find the people that don't want to help. You don't want their help anyway. That it's, you don't want that help anyway. You go into a Whitetails Unlimited banquet and somebody says, oh, how long you been hunting? And say, I'm just getting started. I just don't, I figured this was a good place to come meet. I guarantee you, you tell that to 10 people in that room and 10 of them are going to say, well, what do you want to know? Mm-hmm. How do you want to hunt? How, how can I help? By and large, folks are out there to help. So find those groups on social media. You know, the main thing is, and it's a, again, it's kind of, it's another red flag for me. The first time somebody tell, if they're telling me how great of a deer hunter they are, <laughs> my antenna goes up. I start worrying about it. You know, it's, it's always evolving. It's always changing. You kill one one eighty, the next one's not going to think the same way. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, you know, I've, I've, because of my work, I've, I've been able to spend time with some, some folks that kill a lot of deer and a lot of big deer and the good ones will tell you. If you had the amount of time in a tree stand that I did, you'd kill big deer too. You went to the places that I did, it's a full-time job. Yep. You know, these, these pros aren't just showing up and killing a 180 three times a year. First time, it's not the, the number of hours that they spend doing this to put together 13 original episodes every year and make it look like it does. Most, most hunters that think they want to do that 
couldn't if they wanted, if they had the opportunity. They just can't. So find those local resources, connect with those local hunters, and and just come into it, A, understanding that you will never know everything because it's not all knowable, and B, come in and be completely transparent. Hey, I'm just learning. I'm, I'm looking for somebody to help me. And, and no, everybody isn't going to be able to be that mentor, but somebody will be willing to be that mentor. So, so check those resources out, find those. And, you know, we didn't have YouTube when I was growing up, man. The, the amount of information that you can find there, even, even just ask other people, you know, where, where do you learn about this? You know, it's the, there's a reason that that information is, is still out there in print form and YouTube form and podcast and just, if you're into it, man, just search it. Find out what other people like. Start listening to it. Find what your real flavor is. You'll find your niche. You'll get too far into it. And we'll gripe about you five years from now because, <laughs> because you decided you like west-facing tree stands instead of east, and we can argue about it all day. Those damn west-facing tree stands. I'm here to tell you, that <laughs> evening hunt, staring into the sun, no thank you. Not here for that. Not here for that. Oh, man, Detroit, dude, I'm so glad we finally got to do this. Thank you so much Agreed. for taking the time. Agreed. It's been a busy ass week my feet are either i gonna get soaked in the hotel bathtub tonight while i polish off a six-pack like a uh like That's, a sad lonely person <laughs> i would you know i still have well you can just you know you live the charmed life you can just show closes down and you can walk away from it and this is another one of those working in the industry things yeah where there you go that booth that we're looking at i get to come back in here tomorrow morning and tear it all down and put it into a crate and then get on a flight at 5 a.m sunday morning so <laughs> yeah you can spare me the soaking your feet in the hot tub drinking a six-pack when i still got to work tomorrow after the show's closed you know i, I will I, while i'm soaking my feet drinking my yeah, beer you'll, I'll, you'll think about me. i'll uh, i'll pull pull up my phone I'll pull up Spotify and place like a nice little play like a nice little violin solo, solo. just for the you. The smallest violin the solo you can song find. I can find. <laughs> but thanks, man. It's been a lot of fun. Always love talking. All right, y'all. That'll do it for this episode of the Wild Initiative. Make sure to check out the show notes page at thewildinitiative.com. Get links to everything we talked about in today's episode. That'll do it for this week. Looking forward to next time. But until then, I hope this episode inspired you to get involved, get outdoors, and plan your initiative for the wild. Thank you for listening to the Wild Initiative. Please take a moment to leave a rating and review on iTunes or Stitcher and head on over to thewildinitiative.com to get show notes, check out the blog, gear discounts, other podcasts from the Wild Initiative family, and more. 